Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome, Ram fans, to episode 54 of Rams Up. We have our recap of the Ram-Packer game for you. The Rams suffer their third straight loss, 38-26, to the NFC North division-leading Green Bay Packers. It was a messy game, a very uneven performance once again by the Rams. All three of their units, in fact, had some very bad moments. Lots of great plays on offense and defense, but just too many bad plays, too many big mistakes, costly mistakes. Really just a continuation of what we saw against the Titans and Niners. The same kind of mistakes, just putting a new spin on them every week. Not to say there weren't some bright spots, but not enough to overcome all these mistakes against a good team like the Packers in their stadium in cold weather. The Packers are a good team, hobbled by injuries, though, and that's probably the most disappointing part of this. We could not take advantage, could not bounce back out of our bye week, get things straightened out, and find a way to win. It was really a strange game. On on the one hand, we're unlucky to lose by 11, but at the same token, we're actually very lucky to be in this game in the fourth quarter. I'll start off by recapping my fearsome four keys to the game. What did I say the Rams needed to do to win this game? Well, they needed to be good on their first down defense, and I think we failed at that. Packers were getting four and five yard chunks on first down quite a bit. There were a couple occasions where we put them behind the chains, so to speak, but for the most part, the Packers were in a good situation on second and third down. First some key number two was ball security. Well, do you really want me to get into that? A fumbled punt. Stafford fumbles. Stafford throws a pick six. So we absolutely failed on that. First some key number three, get back in an offensive groove. No, we did not. Now, we had a couple of really big plays. But our running game, we didn't have any big runs. We didn't get Cooper Cup involved early. OBJ was struggling to get involved in the game. We had passes bouncing off receivers' helmets. We had passes that were off target. I think we can all agree our offense did not find its groove yet. For some key number four, it was just overall run D. You know, statistically wise, we did okay. So I'm going to call that a push. I wouldn't say our Ren D was anything to write home about, but it wasn't that bad either. That'll come out in the stats that we're going to talk about right now. Some key stats from the Rams' perspective. Stafford ended up 21 of 38 for 302 yards and three TDs. Sounds like not a bad game, actually, right? But he had the one interception. He also had the fumble, and the interception was a pick six. And he just misfired a lot. Threw some great passes, but overall, very inconsistent. Rams as a team ran for 68 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Cup ended up with 96 yards receiving. Van Jefferson 
93, and OBJ, 81. So those three all had pretty good days. Van Jefferson had that 79-yarder for a touchdown, and OBJ had a 54-yard touchdown score. The Packers ran 17 more plays, but only had 46 more yards. It may have seemed like A.J. Dillon was killing us, but he only averaged 3.5 yards per carry, and the Packers were under 100 yards on the game. Dillon was just consistently burning up 4- and 5-yard chunks at a time. It was kind of reminiscent of going up against a guy like John Riggins. Never busted a big run, but was always moving the chains for his team. Devontae Adams finished with 104 yards, and Randall Cobb had 95, even though he left the game early with a, I believe it was a groin injury. Before we move on to our game capture and our additional game notes and our loop around the league, I wanted to quickly mention the big hire of Lincoln Riley, USC's new football coach. Trojans have stolen him from the University of Oklahoma. He is one of the top five coaches in the country. Trust me on this. This is a big get by the Trojans and big news for the Pac-12. You know, I've been talking recently about keeping California quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Well, this is a step in the right direction. Late Sunday night, quarterback Malichi Nelson out of Los Alamitos High School, who had already committed to Oklahoma, has already decommitted. Let's hope he ends up at a Pac-12 school. So Oklahoma will be headed to the SEC, but without Lincoln Riley and one of their top incoming recruits. Big news for the Pac-12. Now, we're not going to talk about this anymore this episode. We will discuss it on our Thursday drop extensively, I hope. And we'll also get back into college basketball, which is really starting to heat up. A few days after I said Gonzaga was looking unbeatable, Duke beat them 84-81. UCLA dropped to number four in the polls. Duke is number one, Gonzaga number two now. So we'll get into that a little bit more Thursday. Next up, we're going to do our game capture for you. Then we're going to come back with some game notes and the loop around the league. It's not every day you can double your money, but with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use my promo code RAMSUP, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills next Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender. However, look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code RAMSUP at MyBookie. That's promo code RAMSUP to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Let's capture how this Ram game unfolded. Rams got the ball first, 
Opening drive, stalled after one first down. Hecker pins the Packers down back at their own six-yard line. Thanks partly due to the fact that their returner fell down, but we'll take it. Packers put together a long drive, but Ashon makes a big stop on first down. And that's what you need to do. That's what this defense has been missing. First down stops. And as a result, the Packers are faced with fourth and long, and they have to punt rather than opting for the long field goal. 15-play drive, though, results in a punt. Rams get the ball back, and this has been too common recently. They shoot themselves in the foot on second and five. Rashad Gary hits Stafford's elbow as he's preparing to throw. The ball pops out. Green Bay recovers at the Rams' six, and three plays later, they take the lead 7-0. Rodgers scoring, scrambling to the right. Easy touchdown for their quarterback. On the Rams' next possession, questionable decision on fourth and one from their 30. They go for it, and Daryl Henderson is stopped. Packers take over at the Rams' 30. Defense comes up big, though, forces a field goal. Greg Gaines made a big play on that drive. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's headed for a first down. Gaines trips him up, and the drive is over. Rams are still looking out of sorts as they get the ball back, third and eight, and then Stafford connects with Van Jefferson, a 79-yard touchdown pass, and suddenly the Rams have life, cut the lead to 10 to 7. On the Packers' next drive, a 54-yard pass from Rodgers to Randall Cobb. Rams miss some tackles at midfield, gets the Packers down to the 14, but the Rams' defense stiffens again. Packers have to settle for a field goal but they lead 13-7. Rams' next possession, a three and out. They punt. Randall Cobb muffs it, and Robert Rochelle recovers. Rams take over at the Packers' 25, but they have to settle for a field goal. This was the drive where the trick play, Cooper Cup, to Van Jefferson was ruled out of bounds, rightfully so, and OBJ cannot make a tough catch, and the Rams kick the field goal to make it 13-10. Packers answer, it didn't take them long thanks to a 43-yard pass to Devontae Adams, and Cobb does the honors, partly making up for his muff, and the Packers are back up 20-10. Rams put together a nice drive. Cooper Cup gets his first catch of the day. Sony Michelle pitching in now, and Henderson scores on a six-yard touchdown pass. Packers lead 20-17 with 128 left. They get the ball back, and the Rams actually force two punts on this last drive due to a ticky-tack offsides call against the Rams on the first punt, but the Rams hold in both cases, and they go to halftime. Packers 20, Rams 17. Third quarter, Packers opening possession. You're just hoping for a three and out, right? Not going to happen. Green Bay puts together a nice drive. A.J. Dillon starts to do a lot of damage. Not many big runs, lots of little ones. And Rodgers connects with... Valdez Scantling for 27 yards on that drive, and A.J. Dillon ends up scoring on a four-yard pass play, and it's 27-17 Packers. Rams get the ball starting at their own 25. You're hoping for a long possession, right? Give this defense some rest. It's not going to happen. Three and out, a crappy punt, and Green Bay has the ball at the 33. The Rams force a three and out, though. That was the drive where Nick Scott just missed coming up with an interception. Green Bay punts, and J.J. Koski fumbles the punt return, and Green Bay has the ball back again. Good field position, but Green Bay has to settle for a field goal. They go up 30-17. to Rams next possession. They barely touch the ball this half, and this drive doesn't end well. Stafford throws 
His third pick six in three games, although one of them really wasn't his fault. But nonetheless, the Packers were up 36-17 after interestingly going for two. That attempt fails, so they are left with a 19-point lead. Rams' next possession carries into the fourth quarter. Stafford finally connects with Odell Beckham Jr., a 54-yard touchdown pass and a successful two-point conversion. A nice catch by Cooper Cup, a little toe-tap in the end zone. And suddenly the Rams were only down by 11. Is there a chance here? They're down 36-25. to And the Rams give up a couple first downs, but force a punt. And Corey Bajorquez, the guy the Rams traded, deciding to keep Johnny Hecker for another year, he nails a punt, takes a weird bounce. Cooper Cup decides not to try to catch it off the bounce. Probably a wise decision, but it ends up on the one-yard line, and the Rams are asking their offense to drive 99 yards to make a game of this. Rams can't get it done, end up punting. Green Bay takes over at the 33. Packers fall back into a fairly conservative approach on offense and defense. The Rams do manage a late field goal to make it 36-28. Onside kick fails, and there you have it. Your final, Green Bay 36. The Los Angeles Rams 28. Football fans, I'm sure we all love action-packed, high-scoring NFL games. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We have some additional notes from the Ram Packer game here for you. Now, normally I like to talk about the fearsome four big plays of the game. And, you know, I had my little whiteboard going. And by halftime, I had about 10 candidates for the fearsome four big plays of the game. And I gave up, to be honest with you. There are just so many. I mean, early on, I even had the A. Sean Robinson stop on first down that finally put the Packers in second and long, which led to a field goal instead of a potential touchdown drive. But that play got washed out real fast. There was a fourth and two conversion by the Packers. There was that big tackle by Greg Gaines on Aaron Rodgers when it looked like he was going to convert a first down. There was the Van Jefferson 79-yard pass play, Randall Cobb's 54-yard pass play, OBJ's 54-yard pass play, that big throw to Devontae Adams, the muffed punt by Randall Cobb. But, hey, let's not talk about any of those. I want to talk about all the things that went wrong for the Rams 
all the things we screwed up and all the things that we just let get away from us in one fashion or another. The first one is that fourth and one stop by the Packers. I thought Daryl Henderson did a very poor job on that run play. He should have been able to convert. He kind of ran blindly into the hole, got flipped upside down. And in fact, I don't even know if he's the right guy for that run play. Sony Michelle seems like he's better in those situations. Hey, even give Buddy Howell a shot. Not seeing the best of Daryl on that play. Big stop by the Packers at our own 30. And hey, you can also question, why are we going for it there? Down 7 to nothing, Kind of stumbling our way on offense at that point. But I don't think that's the way to right the ship. And it did backfire. Number two, the fumble by Stafford. That was big. Number three, the pick six thrown by Stafford. That's a no-brainer. Number four, how about that ball that hit Van Jefferson in the helmet? I know he slipped a little bit. Should have caught it. You know, there's a actually a number of pass plays. I thought our guys should have made the play, and they did not. Could have helped Stafford out a little bit. But I'll leave this one off Van Jefferson's helmet as number four. Number five in the unlucky column, the Packers fumble. The ball bounces right up to one of their offensive linemen. Number six, that shanked punt by Johnny Hecker. And number seven, that punt by Corey Bajorquez. Cup got caught in between bounces, and it rolls to our one. Again, that's a little bit of the unlucky column. And I will say right now, I'll tell you folks, and I've been saying it for months, we should have kept Corey Bajorquez. Johnny Hecker is a mediocre punter, and it pains me to say that. He belongs in the Hall of Fame, but he's not a top 20 punter in this league right now. And number eight, well, the fumble by J.J. Koski. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that Koski fumble in our coach's corner. Other notes, Koski was actually knocked out of the game. Might have been that play, not sure. Does not look serious. Also before the game, this news broke out about how banged up Stafford is. Boy, the Rams do a good job of keeping this stuff under wraps, and then it finally gets out. I mean, we all knew he's had some chronic back issues, and now it's his elbow as well. News to most of us, I think. I also wanted to quickly mention, Twitter blew up a little bit after the game about Christian Roseboom's hit on that onside kick. People accusing him of headhunting, saying, hey, he wasn't he, he clearly wasn't trying to cover the ball. He just wants to go out and hit somebody. You know, excuse me, but on onside kicks, some of these guys are assigned to do exactly that. Hit people, allowing their teammates to make the recovery. Now, I don't know what was going on here. I don't know what the play call was. I thought it was a solid hit to the chest where the Packer lowered his head at the last minute. was kind of bending over a little bit, left himself exposed. It's not a dirty play. Learn football. Player props, I don't have a lot to share with you. I will say, you know, got to give credit to OBJ. He's trying to fit in. Made a couple of plays. One big play. Looked like he was banged up. And I saw the play he got hurt on. Hit in the back. And it seemed to be bothering him the rest of the game. But I think OBJ is going to pay off for us in the long run. And it was nice to see him have a good game. I do think he should have caught the one ball down at the Packer goal line. But still... 
He's the only guy I can think of. And hey, you know what? I'll throw in Greg Gaines. That guy's a warrior. Made a couple more big plays today. You know, with Greg Gaines and Sebastian Joseph Day, our interior defensive line is pretty spectacular in my opinion. Hopefully we'll get Joseph Day back at some point. Well, who screwed up? Well, where would you like me to begin? I guess we can start with J.J. Koski handling that punt, fumbling. Again, I'm going to address this again in our coach's corner, so hang on for more about that. Matthew Stafford, overall, I think it was a below-average game by him. Ball security issues. Not all on him. His protection broke down on the one play. Bad decision on the interception. But overall, not a great performance by Matthew Stafford. And can we just say special teams, period, except for Matthew Gay? Gay's hitting his field goals and extra points, kicking the ball out of the end zone for the most part. But we have bad punting. We have bad ball security. We have people having trouble handling kickoffs before they get going. We have offsides on a punt. And people want to talk about firing Raheem Morris? Give the guy some slack. What about our special teams coaching? It's just continuously killing us. Our special teams are not good. And what do I have to say about the coaching? Well, hear me out on this. Why do we have a California kid with almost zero experience handling a punt in 30-degree weather at Lambeau Field in one of the biggest games of the year. And if this is a website or YouTube, I could prove this to you. Before this game started, I texted my shy special assistant this exact concern when I heard that Landon Akers and J.J. Koski were both going to be active for this game. And I said, you know, that's fine. Our wide receiver room is shrinking. We need both of them. I get it. But he better not be handling punts. That would be a big mistake. And on this one, I was clairvoyant. And here's another thing that a lot of teams do, and I saw the Rams do it again today. There's like 20 seconds left in the half. Packers punt the ball, and Cooper Cup fair catches it at his own 10 with 17 seconds left in the half. Now, I understand you want to have a guy back there, but I don't understand why anybody is getting anywhere near that ball. He fair catches it. Rams offense comes out and takes a knee. Why? I I don't get it. Why are we even touching that ball? Even Cooper Cup is capable of fumbling or muffing a punt. Don't get it. Never understand it. NFL teams do this over and over and over again. The Rams are one of the worst at it. There's nothing to be gained and a lot to lose. If someone can explain it to me, send me an email and I'll correct myself. Don't get it. Refereeing review, I'll just say that offsides call on the punt ended up being inconsequential, but I wouldn't have called it. Other than that, I thought the refs were okay. Nothing glaring. And announcer analysis real quickly. I thought Aikman's comment was a little harsh. At the end of the game, he said if the Rams don't get things straightened out, they may not win another game. Come on, Troy. Three-game losing streak against Tennessee, San Francisco, and Green Bay. They'll be okay. And they could even put in an effort like this next week and probably still win. And they'll probably still 
beat Seattle with a mediocre effort. So I thought that was a little bit harsh. And I also thought it was really funny that now Aikman says Robert Woods is a top three receiver. I've said previously that Robert Woods was a top 10 receiver and I get mocked for it. My context was that he's one of the best overall receivers in the league. When you talk about blocking, route running, running the ball, Robert Woods does everything. And in that context, I think he is a top 10 wide receiver. But Robert Woods is not a top three wide receiver. I think he's extremely underrated. And it's great that Aikman's given him props now. But I don't think Aikman ever gave him props like that before. So kind of strange thing to say. I appreciate the props for a Rams player. Kind of odd timing. And I think a little bit inaccurate. So in summary, what does it all mean? Well, you know, if you told me the Rams would be 7-4 and four at this juncture, I might be a little disappointed, but I'd know we're still on the hunt, and that's all you really want. In fact, we're still the number one wild card. Here's a couple of fun facts for you. The eventual 2019 champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, were 7-4, and four, and the eventual 2020 champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, were 7-5. and five. Both teams went on late runs and won Super Bowls. We need to go get the Jags next week, blow them out of the water, get this machine humming along again on offense, start getting some stops and takeaways on defense, put the pedal to the metal, blow a team or two out, get primed for the stretch run. This Ram team will be fine. The games that really matter still lie ahead, and I feel very confident this team has the guys in the locker room, in the clubhouse, to get it turned around, we can only hope. Next up, our loop around the league. Let's jump into our loop around the league, capturing all the Week 12 action. We'll start with those Thanksgiving Day games. In the morning game, the Bears 16, the Lions 14. I really thought the Lions were going to pull this off, and they certainly had a chance. Andy Dalton throws for 317 yards. Jared Goff 21 for 25, but for just 171 yards. Did throw for two TDs, one of them to our old buddy Josh Reynolds. This came down to that last second field goal by the Bears. Lions coming oh so close to their first win. And Jared Goff's first win without Sean McVay. little fun fact for you. The Lions, without Matthew Stafford, four wins, 53 losses, and a tie. With Matthew Stafford, 74 wins, 90 losses, and a tie. 6.8 winning percentage without him, 45% with him. Raiders 36, Cowboys 33 in overtime. This was a doozy. Prescott and Carr dueling it out. 375 and 373 passing yards respectively. Dan Carlson, five field goals. Fantasy jackpot. Cut the Cowboys some slack, though. They played without Amari Cooper, without C.D. Lamb without Randy Gregory, and without Demarcus Lawrence. But they have their work cut out for them if they want to hold on to first place in that division. Bills 31, Saints 6. 
Josh Allen throwing for four TDs, two of them to Dawson Knox. Alvin Kamara didn't play. Saints managed only 12 first downs and 190 yards of offense. So the Bills back to their old self for one week anyways. Sunday morning games, Giants 13, Eagles 7. Right when I'm totally on the Eagles bandwagon, been telling you guys for a few weeks, this is the team that's coming on. Watch out for them. And they lose to the 3-7 and seven Giants. Cowboys can breathe a little bit easier. Bengals 41, Steelers 10. Joe Mixon runs for 165 yards and two TDs. Big Ben looked a little sloppy for a lot of this game and threw a pick six. Patriots 36, Titans 13. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, both out, along with Derrick Henry, of course, for the Titans. But Dontrell Hillard and Deonta Foreman both broke 100 yards rushing for the Titans. But they turned the ball over four times. But the Patriots remain in first place in the AFC East. Dolphins 33, Panthers 10. Cam Newton, 5 for 21 for 92 yards and two interceptions. Jared Goff or Cam Newton? I think I'd take Jared right now. Falcons 21, Jags 14. Cordell Patterson had two rushing touchdowns. Jets 21, Texans 14. I don't know what to say about that one, and I'm not sure any listeners of this podcast really care either. Bucks 38, Colts 31. Is Carson Wentz the NFL's answer to Russell Westbrook? One moment he can look like the best quarterback in the league, the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, and then other times he's just horrid. Four turnovers by the Colts in this one. A really bad pass interference call in the end zone that went against the Colts was really a game changer in this one, but that's a big win for the Bucks and the Colts. Tough loss chasing those Titans. Sunday late games, while the Rams were playing, the Broncos beat the Chargers 28-13. Rookie Patrick Sertain had a 70-yard pick six and had another pick in the end zone. So the rookie accounts for potentially a 14-point swing there. The 49ers 34, the Vikings 26. Debo Samuel runs for two TDs. Elijah Mitchell runs for 133 yards in a TD. Vikings had a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and the Niners had a fourth down stop at the goal line. Wildly entertaining game. Big wildcard implications. 49ers taking a step up, Vikings taking a step back. Debo Samuel and Fred Warner both left the game with injuries and will both be having MRIs, so we'll find out in a day or two how serious those injuries are. And then Sunday night, the Ravens 16, the Browns 10. Ravens overcame four interceptions by Lamar Jackson. It was Jackson's 13-yard TD pass thrown from all the way back at the 35. That was the difference. And then Monday night, must-see TV, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Washington football team. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember... You can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. 
Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.